Dean Leggy show. It's Sunday night, uh, February 14th, so a few days from Valentine's Day. I'm assuming that y'all have made the correct decision on that front. We're going to talk a little bit tonight about uh, Georgia's situation uh, globally with scholarships, who's probably going to start where in the spring, um, and sort of where Georgia goes from here on a lot of different spots. I'll do my best to answer questions. Uh, if I get it wrong, I will circle back and try to, uh, you know, answer your answer your questions. Right this second, Georgia's got, uh, by my number, um, 88 players who have scholarships that are um, theirs to use. And that does not include D'Angelo Gibbs. So that would be 16 rising seniors. That does not include Demarcus Hayes. 19 rising juniors, that does include DeMarcus Hayes. 19 sophomores, 8 redshirt freshmen, so that of course could be wrong, because um, we can't know if Matt Landers, Wilson, Johnson, Beal, Hunter, Bishop, Breeny, and Stokes are the only ones who redshirted. And then uh, 26 true freshmen coming in in the fall, that's what's scheduled to happen. There were no junior college kids or prep school kids or anything like that, like a Devontae Wyatt or somebody like that. So right this second, that's where George is at. And, um, of course, Wyatt is in this class, so I don't even know why I said that. But uh, So you've got 88 positions uh, this second. And, of course, we can't know if that's completely accurate. But I do a pretty good job, I think, of keeping uh, account of what's going on at uh, all of the spots. I mean, so... Are they over the number right now? Yeah, but that's pretty common this time of year, or at least it sort of should be. With that said, I think a lot of people on dog posts have been curious to know, hey, uh, wh who do you think is going to start where? And I will say this, of the 24 starting spots, and I'm including 12 starting spots on both sides because you've got a fullback and a multiple wide receiver on offense, and you've got all the positions plus star on defense. And quite clearly, you can only have 11 guys on the field at the same time. At the same time, but you can have star position, you know, etc. And someone just asked, when does Georgia have to get to the 85 number? And it is by fall camp. So let's just say August 1st. So they've got plenty of time. They may know things that I don't, and I'm certain they know things that I do not know. So with that said, I'm going to go through the list here. And I will do my best to circle back and talk about some of the guys who may or may not be in their particular position. Uh, I do want to get one spot here because I see one thing I've got on, on here that may be uh, up for grabs. Uh, at quarterback, the starter in the spring is certainly going to be Jake Fromm. Running back, uh, Swift, Godwin, Hardman, and uh, Riley will be your three receivers who will start. Now, two of them will start, probably, or three of them without a fullback. I don't know who the starting fullback's going to be, but I include the starting fullback because it's a position that matters. At tight end, I've got Nada as your starter. Um, this is where things can get a little tricky, which is the offensive line. I've got Andrew Thomas starting at left tackle. Uh, uh, Kendall Baker has resurrected, I mean, he's like Lazarus coming back from the dead on this roster. And he's a starter going into his senior year. He's really had a hell of a career here at the end. Lamont Gilliard is going to be your starting center coming into the year. 
And on the right-hand side, you've got a lot of options. Now, in the spring, my guess is that Solomon Kinley will play right guard and Ben Cleveland will play right tackle. But you could leave Ben at right guard and have right tackle up for, you know, big-time competition with all the players who uh, redshirted this past year. Guys like, uh, just for instance, Notori, um, you know, Wilson, Isaiah Wilson, um, Schaefer. I mean, Barnes is not a tackle. Um, so you've got, and then you've got DeMarcus Hayes. So there's plenty of positions. There's plenty of, uh, there's plenty of folks who can take over that right tackle. But my guess is that because, um, coming into the Kentucky game, Ben Cleveland was listed as the backup right tackle. My guess is that they will put him as a starting right tackle because Solomon Kinley started basically the whole year until the Auburn game. Ben slid over there to right guard to start. Solomon was the backup right guard. So let me just talk about backups real quick because this is a lot less certain. Backup quarterback in the spring. Now, in the spring it could be possible that Stetson Bennett is your number two for a time. But I think on scholarship, your your number two is Justin Fields, for sure. I mean, obviously. Brian Herian is going to be your um, number two at running back. If Zamir were healthy, I would say Zamir is going to be your one or your two at running back. He's not fully healthy, but I think he's coming a long way. Michael Chigbu will be behind Godwin. I'm not quite sure who's going to be behind, be behind um, Miko at his spot at receiver, but behind Riley Ridley, you've got uh, Crompton. I don't know who the backup fullback is. I'm not sure that Georgia listed. They did not listed. They did not list a backup fullback. Um, so what? You know what can I do at tight end? You know Charlie Warner certainly uh, could could be your um, starter at tight end. My guess is he'll be your backup. We saw him and Nauta come in a lot. That's another reason why you don't have a fullback as a starter or you don't start three. You know, there's there's so many things you can do with multiple offense. And I do see a couple of people asking why um, Harian would go in over Holyfield. It's not my call, but that's what it has been the bulk of the year, uh, this past year. So I don't anticipate, I think, you know, that's probably where it will be for now. But no matter who you are at running back, I mean, you're going to need to really play well to get onto the field because there's there's that much competition at that spot. Uh, all right, moving forward, I've got DeMarcus Hayes as your backup left tackle. I mean, you're losing two seniors at that position in Isaiah Wynn and Dyshawn Sims. I mean, Dyshawn Sims, someone maybe can refresh my, their mem- my memory, but I don't remember Dyshawn playing a ton um, at the end of the season. I, I can't remember. So maybe someone else can help me out there. Uh, Pat Allen is the backup at left guard as a, he'll be a rising junior. So he'll, you know, this is, this is what it is. You've got this much depth. I've got Jamari as your backup center. Okay. Now Jamari can play a lot of different positions, uh, on this line. In fact, I could say he could play, it seems like every single one of them, but I know for some time there, that Georgia was letting him know that they wanted him to get a good long look at center. So we'll just see what happens there. I think, again, he's a guy that you could play all over the map. Um, Sean Fogarty was the backup coming into the national championship game at center. At least that's what he was listed on the depth chart. Uh, 
he'll be a senior coming into this season, just like Lamont. So you've got depth at center now. Again, is it three deep or two and a half deep? It's pretty close. Uh, your right guard, uh, I've got Isaiah Wilson there. What will really happen at right guard and right tackle back up? I don't know. What will happen on the right-hand side? I don't know. I anticipate Ben Cleveland will start, but the other three positions of starting in the two backups there, that's hard to know. I mean, that's the one spot, that right side. I mean, Andrew Thomas is going to start at left tackle. I mean, that would be very surprising if he did not start at left tackle, okay? The right side, however, you can do a lot of different things. I mean, you can, you know, let me just say this too about Andrew Thomas. I mean, it's starting to look like Isaiah Wynn is probably going to be a first-round pick, or at least late first-round pick, top 50 pick. So you're going to have two years in a row, really at least three years in a row, of your left tackle being a top 50 NFL pick. That's, that's the biggest, probably, improvement in this program is that you have a legitimate left tackle. I mean, John Theus was a very good college lineman, but he was probably a right tackle. He would probably be a right tackle in this offense. And that's the, that will be the difference. Um, and when John played right tackle, for the record, that was when Georgia was at its best during his time, 2012. All right, so on the offensive side of the ball, I also keep track of who was a top 100 player and who was not. And on offense, I think you have the ability, because of the offensive line, uh, to develop players more than maybe you would at other spots. And that's what you're seeing with Kinley and Baker. They were not top 300 players. But everybody else in this offense was a top 300 player. Every skill position player outside of Riley Ridley uh, that's starting is a top 100 player. Georgia's always had very high-level skill. They're starting to develop an offensive line now that gives them the ability to match top hundreds with hundreds, uh, top three hundreds with one hundreds or one hundreds and one hundreds. Now on the 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 defensive side of the ball, you've got some change and some turnover, obviously at uh, linebacker. But to be clear, your defensive front loses basically one player, which is uh, Trent Thompson. John Atkins was a very good player too. But you've got of the of the down linemen, all three of them that that should start the spring as starters, they are top uh, three hundred players. Two of the three are top hundred players. So at uh, at defensive tackle, you got Tyler Clark, who at times was was, I mean Trent got a lot of the Trent's Trent's probably a better prospect for sure, but you know Tyler Clark got a lot of playing time with Trent. I mean in in spite in, in Trent wasn't in there. Tyler Clark was. So Tyler Clark will be the starter at defensive tackle. Your nose is going to be Julian Rochester, who has who's transformed his body uh, in no time. Um, as it relates to defensive end, I think you've got – that's the one spot where you know who your starter and your backup is. So the question becomes, does David Marshall get a look elsewhere too? He's a smaller defensive lineman. I think it means he's got to play end, but okay. So Ledbetter's going to be your starting defensive end. So your 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 three defensive uh, linemen, okay, are going to be top 300 players. That matters. All right, at 
Sam linebacker. So let's just call them outside and inside linebackers. I call people linebackers or linebackers because I don't know enough. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I don't know enough about it to where I could just pencil a kid in at inside. I mean, obviously Roquan was an inside linebacker with Quay Walker. Is Quay Walker for sure an inside linebacker the entire time? No, he's not. So you just kind of put them where they're supposed to go. But Quay Walker won't be there this spring anyway. All right. At uh, an outside backer, I've got DeAndre Walker as a starter and Walter Grant as a starter. They both were the backups uh, in their particular position at Jack and Sam. Uh, they are both top 100 players, top 100 prospects. <clears throat> at Mike Linebacker, this is going to be the part that sort of surprises people, I think. Um, at the inside backers, you've got, um, I've got Natrez starting along with Juwan Taylor. And people would say, well, why you got Juwan Taylor in there? Um, I think that spot that Natrez is not playing, um, not starting at, if he's around, um, that is going to be an interesting thing because you've got some legit linebackers. I mean, Crowder was in there a fair amount uh, at the end of the season. Monty Rice, I love. And then you've got, you know, Several players who, you know, could come in and play. Um, talking about uh, Brown, Keon Brown could be a, an outside guy, maybe not an inside guy. But Walker is going to get a look. I think Quay Walker is going to get a look, just the way that um, that Walter Grant did this year. I don't think he'll start at inside, but he's going to play just like Walter Grant did. Stuff like that. And then you got Tyndall too, who is a very good prospect. We'll get, we'll get, I mean, these, the guys that are just signing, very few of them, I think, besides maybe uh, Jamari. I'm just saying Zamir, Justin Zamir, um, Jamari, Cade Mays, um, Anderson, Cox, Wyatt, Tyndall Walker. Reese, Joseph, and Campbell, I think they'll play. I don't think those guys necessarily will start. There's no spot you can just walk into. All right, moving forward. Uh, at In the secondary, which is where you did have a lot of turnover, you're replacing Malcolm Parrish with someone who has a very similar body type in Tyreek McGee. So if you want to change body types there, you've got some options if you're Kirby in them. Uh, there are 15 defensive backs in the program right now on scholarship. So, you know, he's got, there, there's some movement there. At the other corner, I mean, I think it's pretty clear DeAndre Baker has been a very good player. They've developed him. He was not a top 300 player. Um, McGee was his backup on that side as well. So McGee was your, you know, either or. He was just a straight up corner. Uh, I, I would imagine that means for McGee, he will start. I'm sh they would love, I'm sure, to make Tyreek a little bit taller slash bigger. But, hey, I mean, it, it, you know, you got what you got. And, and, and Tyreek's a pretty good player. Um, at safety, and so the, who will the backup corners be? Or at least the corners that get a lot of run out there? That's a great question. I think that is a pivotal question coming into the 18th season because your backup DBs play. I mean, they're not like offensive backups, offensive linemen backups. I mean, deep, defensive backs play. And uh, they they play in blowouts. They play in non-blowouts. They play on special teams. Those guys go out there and play. So they're important. Um, at your safeties, 
you've you've got some turnover there for sure too with Dominique after being a four year starter and a great player for Georgia for a long time. So Dom will be gone. Dom was a smaller player too. Now you got some you got some options there now. You go from Dominique who was six feet tall to you could go to Jarvis Wilson. Um I don't have him going in there. I have LeCount, and I have J.R. Reed, who was a starter from the Kentucky game on. He may have even started before that. So LeCount backed Reed up. So it's just going to be about who's going to start, in my view, between uh, Richard and Jarvis Wilson. But you also have some younger guys um, that didn't play a ton last year who are going to get some looks at corner this year. I mean, the older group at corner, and excuse me, the older, older group at DB is not real deep. I mean, you've got four upperclassmen defensive backs. That's not a big group. Um, I still have, I, I, you know, maybe, maybe this is just me. Someone was asking about Webb. Um, I still have Webb as a receiver because I'm not sure that he has moved for good. And I'll be honest, I'm not sure that I would would know. I'm looking for Webb real quick here in the notes. And I can't remember. Yeah, no, he is a defensive back. So Webb would be another guy who could get um, a look back there. But the, the general point is that um, there's a lot of defensive backs that Georgia has to pick from. And to some degree, your body type... Um, you know, if they want to go bigger, they have that option now. I mean, you're talking about with speed um, and um, guys like Brini who are really tall. Um, I mean, Brini, off the top of my head, I'm, I'm forgetting guys' numbers now off the top of my head. But Brini is 6'2", I mean, 6'2", 200 pounds. Um, and uh, who was I talking about a second ago? Uh, I'm on speed. I know his number. So he's six three two ten. A lot more like a a bigger safety. So you've got guys if you want to get jumbo back there um, to do that. So I think the 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 big thing here is for Georgia and the defensive backs. They've got a lot of different types of bodies now suddenly, which I know that that coaches can be pretty big fans of. The older guys, McGee, Reed, Wilson, and Baker. They're gonna play, and they that may be your starting group, but um, you know, we'll just see. Someone's correctly pointing out about Malik Herring, etc. Um, there were a lot of guys that played on this offense, on the defensive line. I mean, Hawkins, uh, Ledbetter, Hawkins, Rochester, Carter, Clark, Marshall, Herring. Uh, those guys all played. Justin Young played five games, so. Every single guy that was around, those eight guys plus Trent and John Atkins, I mean, they played. So the ten guys that were there played. So that makes you think that Cox, Wyatt, and Anderson will play. Now, what is Anderson? I can't remember off the top of my head if he's if Georgia listed him as an outside linebacker or as a um, or as a defensive lineman. But he, no matter what, I've seen him play. He looks great. He's thin, so that makes me think he's more of an outside backer. But he's got plenty of talent. And ability to rush the passer, but I think I mean I think Quay Walker is the guy that you can leave out there on all three downs, but he has the ability to um, shift positions as and that you know would help. 
they got plenty of depth at outside linebacker. That is not a problem right now. It started to look concerning, that's for sure, but I think they're okay now. And I think what you saw at the beginning, and this is what's so important about what they did with that 16 class, because the 16 class set it all up. Quay Walker will not be there in the spring. Quay Walker cannot be in the spring. He just signed, so he cannot be there in the spring. What they did with the 16 class, and I think this is really important, is they they squared everything up. They said, we got to get particular guys in here. And you're seeing that, that group, they are now um, the junior class, with the exception of a couple players like Ben Cleveland, Solomon Kinley, and Chris Barnes, so three offensive linemen. That group um, made Georgia balanced. So now what you're seeing is with a full roster, Georgia's big problem is getting a quarterback or two. So everything else is balanced. Um, the DBs, I mean, I, I break it up by five classes, seniors, juniors, sophomores, red for, retro freshmen, and freshmen. You have very good balance. Your freshman class should always be your biggest because you, you haven't lost them yet in any way. So you don't have any of these tiny senior classes like Clemson. Clemson's about to go through some senior classes that are really small. So you've got 16 seniors, 19 juniors, 19 sophomores, 8 redshirt freshmen, and 26 freshmen. You're about balanced. You're about as balanced as you can be. I mean, you don't want uh, 20 redshirt freshmen if you can help it. Then you're getting really young really quick. So this is about what you want. But what this is allowing is if you if you see the board, and I can't turn it around, but if you see the board that I've got in front of me here, you would see the balance not just by position, but by class with the position. Like two years back to back of signing five guys on the offensive line, that matters. Now there's no more, you know, they can go out and only get the guys that are really good. They can only identify people who are going to be game changers. There's no more filling spots, so to speak. So like at running back, you're probably not going to lose anybody next year. So you should have this cycle of running backs for this year and the following year. You should have five, you should have three very good uh, running backs and five very, you know, good running backs. So they're good there. Receiver, you're going to lose four guys this coming year. That's why Hazelwood and Blaylock are so critical to come in. And they are, and that's why it was really important, frankly, to get Bush in the program right now. If you look at tight end, they're losing one. They're going to replace him with one. If you look at the offensive line, it appears to me like they're only going to lose two. They're, they've already got one committed if, if for the 19 class. If you're a senior defensive lineman, they're going to lose two this year. Coming up, after Ledbetter and Hawkins go, you've got Smith in the fold. For now, you need to make sure you're keeping Smith, and then you need to add some kids there, too. But they just signed five kids. Uh, at linebacker, you're going to lose five linebackers. You're going to lose Walker, Patrick, Brown, Taylor, and Crowder. So you need to address that. you know. And, they, and I think because of pulling in uh, Walker, Tyndall, and Ojolari, you, you did that with those three. But you probably need to get a few more linebackers in this class if you really need to. And then if you look at defensive back, you know, you probably need to get a kicker here at some point. I mean, Rodrigo will be a junior this year. Next year they will be he will be a senior. I think if you're Kirby, you go attack the best who is the best place kicker in the country 
you you are after that person. Or if is it, you know, the kid from Norcross that they just signed, do they think that he is the best kicker um, in the country? Or is he a punter? I'm still a little bit lost on that. Sometimes I get confused because, you know, there's so much stuff um, that pops up. But that's the global view of where they're at. And I just ranted for 25 minutes. But generally speaking... I'm not sure that you could say that this this program has been in a better position in terms of balance, et cetera, on the on the on this football team with scholarships. I mean, they're exactly where they need to be, basically with everyone. All right, here's a punter question, and then I'm going to start talking about basketball. Punter, I mean, you're going to have a competition between the kid from Norcross as well as the, uh, as Long. So you've got. You've got some uh, decisions to be made there, and it probably it might it might just drag into uh, the fall. All right, here's my deal on basketball. I mean, I my credentials are that I played college basketball for a time, uh, not very successfully, but I did I did go through the rigor of it all. Uh, played for Tucker uh, with uh, Jack Waters and. Shadar Long, Daryl Aberry, Daryl Davison. I don't want Daryl to get mad that I didn't mention him. And um and Dwight Phillips who wound up winning a gold medal. So we had um uh, we had five our five starters, four of us played college athletics. Okay, so uh three of us playing college basketball and one going on to the Olympics and winning a gold medal in triple jump. So we didn't have the normal high school team. Uh my AU background is with the Atlanta Celtics, so that's you know, eventually people like Dwight Howard, Josh, what's his name? I mean, like, so this is the world that I lived in for, you know, uh, all those summers I was growing up and obviously I keep track of basketball quite a bit. So I think if there's anyone on the beat at Georgia who has qualified to talk about basketball, it's me. And I don't say that lightly. I think it's time to move on from Mark Fox. I think everybody knows that. I don't think that's a new thing. I've been writing about this for some time now. I'm not going to celebrate it. I think that uh I think that that gets overdone. And I think that um you know Mark uh what we're seeing now in year 9 is a very good example of um that you have to set things up from the start. I think the one thing that could have changed this and made this a uh, consistently good program rather than a program where the general public was wondering if they make the tournament all the time uh was uh when it comes down to it, it was a hiring a person who understood Atlanta recruiting the way that Jonas Hayes does. Um and that person those people have been out there. It's not exclusive to Jonas Hayes. Uh they just didn't do a good job of getting kids in. And um uh, you can hate Bruce Pearl if you want to and that's fine. But his personality and what he's done at Auburn as well as uh Tennessee, um it just proves that recruiting really does matter. Uh that I don't know, about half of the Auburn rosters from Georgia, some of those guys from Atlanta, some from Coastal. You know, I don't know if anybody out here has been to Auburn. I'm not trying to insult Auburn, but there's just really no comparison between Auburn and Georgia in terms of the college experience. So if you're going to Auburn um, over Georgia to play basketball, it's because of Bruce Pearl. And so what I would say is the next person, whoever that person will be, uh, needs to establish their recruiting bona fides immediately. They need to make nice with everyone in Atlanta. I don't know why that's so difficult to do. Um, I don't want to hear about the AAU game. That is total bullshit. 
Um, that's a, a lot of me thinks that's just white people talking about stuff that didn't understand about black society. And it's just like code or something. But, um, I, I would say that whoever is recruiting needs to get back to their roots and the roots are right now, metropolitan Atlanta, specifically, uh, DeKalb, Gwinnett County. I mean, there's a ton of kids, uh, that are 40 minutes from Athens and Georgia Tech is a full-blown disaster right now. Auburn is a disaster when you look at the global perspective of, you know, sitting there with the FBI probe. So there's a lot of problems in the general area surrounding Georgia. And even, you know, even Cal doesn't look so hot right now up at Kentucky with his crop of kids. So this is a an extraordinary opportunity for the University of Georgia to finally get up off its ass and compete at a national level uh, for uh, getting to the Final Four, something that South Carolina did last year. So I think that um, it's time. You know, people are asking me when this will happen. Uh, I can't know that. Um, I, but I know this. I'm not going to report it until I have it damn sure that it's right. Uh, and that includes calling Georgia before I um, <laughs> before I release anything to make sure that they don't shoot it down immediately. I'm not going to get caught in um, uh, something, someone wanting something to happen rather than it being reality. Um, so that's where we're at. Um, and look, what starts happening at the end here with people is uh, people kill the coach more than is necessary. And I, I would urge people to be a little less ridiculous about um, their tone towards Mark Fox. Uh, this is not a guy who has wrecked anything. Uh, he has not uh, brought dishonor to the university. He's done the job, but it's not been where it needs to be currently, uh, in my view. So before, you know, he's run out of town uh, by the hordes, uh, everyone should just appreciate what he's done which is bring a level of consistency after a decade of disaster. Uh, but now we've been a decade with Mark and it's just time. That's all. I think he's a, I think all there is to it. It's just simple. I just think he's not the right coach for Georgia. And I think you've got to find, um, the correct fit, whoever that person is. And I think that, um, Mark, Mark Richt was the right fit until he wasn't. And, um, you know, maybe that'll be the case with Kirby. I kind of doubt it. He feels like he was, you know, thrown into the briar patch. This is where he wants to be. I think that's the last thing I'll say about this. And then I'll let everybody go is I think it's critical to find the coach that really appreciates and understands the, um, potential of basketball at Georgia. I mean, it's way bigger than Georgia Tech. It's um, it's certainly bigger than Clemson and South Carolina, Auburn and Alabama. I mean, when you have Atlanta right there and you are the flagship institution and you have relationships and you can show people how Stegman can be, there's just no, there's no excusing how bad Georgia's been for this long, for 15 years. Um, you know, Jim Herrick... Junior may have done his part in causing all of this, but Jim Herrick Sr. was damn good at creating a program that had people exciting, excited. And that's, that's what Georgia needs to get back to is excitement. 
And until they do that, it's just going to be hard for people to really care. I mean, you're, you're having 6,000 people at games consistently. Um, you know, you've got not, not games that are not Auburn on the weekends or SEC games on the weekends where you're inviting parents for parents weekends and selling them to fraternities and sororities. You know, Georgia basketball should think big. It should think very seriously about blowing up Stegman and moving to downtown Athens or putting a brand new facility at, um, you know, the perimeter where, um, on College Station, just taking intramurals and moving them somewhere else and building a massive basketball facility, $100 million, go for it time. Uh, you know, Georgia needs to decide with Stegman too. Stegman is not the cause of the problems. Stegman is a um, result of the problems. It's a perfectly adequate facility, but that the Division II college that I went to has a brand new facility that we raised money for. I mean, $12 million. That's a lot of money for a small school, but we did it in almost no time. That Georgia couldn't pull that off $100 million. I just don't know. It would be maybe $120 million to do it right, uh, to move it. Uh, and that would open up more space for football. There's a lot of different things that you could do if you have a huge global perspective, a 40,000-foot perspective. So um, I think it's time to quit painting over the problems. And I think that um, whoever the next athletic director will be really needs to sell that vision, a vision of championships not just in football, but oh my goodness, in men's basketball too. I think I'm, you know, I'm saying stuff about downtown uh, for basketball. I don't know if that's something that could be um, possible immediately, but I think that it's something that in the next ten years, baseball or basketball should move downtown in Athens. Uh, I don't know that about both moving down there. I mean, I think if you had baseball downtown, that would create a particular atmosphere that would be interesting. Uh, and I think with basketball, you're talking about you could change the, the pulse of the program if you moved it downtown. But this is me saying I don't have to raise the money. I don't have to do the, the, the glad handing. I don't have to do any of that stuff. Um, Stegman can be a frightening place to play at. But um, we've not seen that for a long time. And that has nothing to do with the bones of, of Stegman. It has to do with with who um, is playing in it, which is um, a program that's not nearly good enough. Dean Leggy, if it's Sunday night, that means it's uh, Dean Leggy's show here. I appreciate everybody joining me, and we'll see you next week.